This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm your inner dream monologue, and you're fast asleep, so I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Hello and welcome to Captive Audience, the show where we force feed the movies we love to the people we love. This week I'm your host, Sean Roney, and today I'm joined by my friends and colleagues, Alex Ward and Edwin James. This week we're watching the 1988 half-animated, half-live-action masterpiece, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Captive Audience is a reaction video in podcast form, as every week we try to show a guest on our show a film they've never seen before. My good friend Alex has never seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and I'm so excited to make him watch it. This movie was so important to me as a kid, I must have watched it upwards of 50 times before I was even 10 years old. Although the movie is full of adult themes and jokes, all that stuff goes right over your head as a kid, and you're just left awestruck by a world where cartoons are real. It supercharged my imagination, and I think it's partly responsible for my love of cinema and ultimately my career in film production. The movie is a hard-boiled, crime-noir meets slap-happy Looney Tunes-style animation. Set in 1947 Hollywood, Roger, who is a cartoon rabbit, is framed for murder and must seek the help of Eddie Valiant, a bourbon-soaked human detective who just so happens to hate all tunes. Not only is the movie wildly funny and entertaining, it is a dazzling feat of technical filmmaking, combining live action and animation with a staggering amount of practical effects and extraordinary acting performances. Roger Rabbit is currently streaming on Disney Plus or available for rent on other services. So if you, like Alex, have never seen it before, don't be such a sourpuss. Go and watch it now and then meet back up with us in Toontown. This is the tale of an up-and-coming movie star named Roger Rabbit and a down-and-out private detective stay out! named Eddie Valiant. Ooga Booga! Every moment they were together was a new adventure in trouble. Hide me, Eddie! Please! It's a motion picture about friendship. Please, Eddie! Don't tell me how you're making a big mistake! Love. <laughs> Compassion. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I yanked your ears. All the time you yanked my ears? Murder. Marvin Ackman. 
The rabbit cacked him last night. Remember, you never saw me. Sex. I'd do anything for my husband, Mr. Valiant. Anything. And violence. Tunes gets him every time. You wouldn't have any idea where the rabbit might be? Got a thing for rabbits, huh? The whole thing stinks like yesterday's diapers. It's a comedy a little different from all the rest. I'm a pig! I'm a tune! I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. But tell me, Eddie, is that a rabbit in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? Touchstone Pictures and Steven Spielberg present a Robert Zemeckis film. We tunes may act idiotic, but we're not stupid. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Gentlemen, uh, walking out of the movie theater, what'd you think? Who framed Roger Rabbit? What a what a fun ride that was. I I want to get back in line and go on the ride again. <laughs> Holy moly! Speaking of, have you been on the ride? Yeah, I was gonna say there's a Disneyland ride. Is there really? There's a there's a yeah there's yeah. a Toontown. It's called there's a whole Toontown. Well, I've been to Toontown. Mm-hmm. I went to Toontown as a boy. Yeah. You ride in the in the cab and you and you yeah, drift and around. This yeah. is ringing bells. These are ringing dormant yes. memory bells for me here going yeah. to Disneyland. I forget. I was not very old. This was a while ago. But the, I, <laughs> I, you know, this I, this must have Toontown must have come out right or like early '90s because this movie came out late '80s. Yeah, definitely. So I feel like I was there just after they opened Toontown. Pro- it was probably brand new. Um, huh? Alex, you had never seen this movie before. Never seen it. Uh and I've I, I've mentioned this before on last episodes, but not only had I not, had I not seen it, my understanding of the plot of what the overall movie was was absolutely zero in terms of all, the only thing I knew was there was a mixture of live animation or live action and animation. Mm. Um, were were you weren't aware that it was a film noir? A no, detective, I, a hard boiled. I'll take it one <laughs> step further. I wasn't even aware this was like Looney Tunes. I thought it was just uh. a weird, like, I thought Roger Rabbit was the only animated character in this movie. Oh, mm. okay. Like, I thought it was about, I knew, I kind of knew it was about movies or it was about, like, Hollywood. And I mm-hmm, thought, mm-hmm. I thought Roger was the only animated character. And I don't know okay, why wow. I had this memory of that feeling, must, you but must I, have been I so thinking, excited to see everybody. I was, but I remember thinking <laughs> from the little I knew it. It was like I don't think I think Roger Rabbit's a bad actor. He's a bad actor. He's a bad. He's a force of bad in the movie. None, <laughs> none of this was true. This was just what I thought going. This but you is, must have known. You knew about Jessica Rabbit, though. I knew about Jessica Rabbit, not from anything I've seen, but just general discourse. When this movie comes up, especially amongst mm-hmm. men, this movie <laughs> comes up and they go, "Oh, dude, you're gonna get a weird boner or something about you know Jessica <laughs> Rabbit," or just like. Oh, my first crush was an anim- was an animated character, and it was Jessica Rabbit. Like I, these are the things I've heard. So I yeah. was, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what I was expecting. Um, it now now it makes sense that that of course would also be an animated character, but but this is all I knew yeah, going yeah. into it. So so yeah. everything was kind of a surprise to me. That's awesome. That makes me happy to hear it, that it defied your expectations, that it was very different. That's always kind of one of the best yeah. experiences, right? When yeah, this is just kind of a stupid sentence, but it was totally different. And not in the way I was expecting. Uh, there was like a triple negative for me. Where it's like, this isn't what I thought, but and that's not what I thought. But because it's not what I thought, 
this movie i have no idea what this movie is um, <laughs> yeah. yeah so i was That's i was fun. spinning i was just spinning in space for a while trying to figure out what was going on <laughs> edwin you you had seen this movie before what's your experience with it and and what do you think of it i mean i love this movie this is a movie that i watched a lot when i was a kid which maybe i think is okay but it feels kind of strange it, watching it back Same years here. later uh yeah. and it was just it was a vhs and the stack of vhs tapes um that we could watch from time, you know, as a kid when you had, at least when I was now I'm making myself sound really old or I feel really yeah. old, but no, no, spinning the same <laughs> Me too. on repeat playlist of VHS tapes throughout an entire childhood, you know? Um, mm. So that's, it's a movie that I grew up really loving. I remember the ride um, and you know, it's funny. I remember Alex, you must not have been there. Or you must not have watched with us, but on one of these times where we rented a vacation house as our group of friends, like over new years or a beach house or something, it was a movie that we for sure watched during the day. Mm, like really and a lot of times on those trips, we would watch like whatever movies are in the house or, a, or like a, mm-hmm. a bad movie or whatever, yeah. whatever's playing. And there's one where I specifically remember rewatching who framed Roger rabbit for the first time in a really long time. And then absolutely wow. loving it again. So yeah. <laughs> one of those years we watched world trade center starring Nicholas cage. <laughs> yeah, Pena. that's right. <laughs> we, I also remember us watching space jam. Another great space movie. Jam one year, that one year blends, we, uh... someone had like season two of survivor on DVD. Pop that in. <laughs> Whatever's at the house. Ninja Turtles, secret of the ooze. I, I kind of yeah. like it. I like that as a rule that now with streaming, like Airbnbs, they have TVs with all the apps, but I, I, it mm-hmm. should just be like whatever you got at that house is what you have to watch. Whatever old mm-hmm. DVD or VHS. That should still sometimes be a the rule. DVD case was sometimes the DVD case was just empty for no reason. You have no idea where it went. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Newsy, <laughs> yeah. sweet. And then there's like a <laughs> copy of an old video game in there. You're like, wow, damn it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally remember we had. We had the blue Roger Rabbit uh, VHS uh, cover. Oh, I played Roger that. Rabbit Red, dude. Charmander. <laughs> uh, so uh, a little about uh, who framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, Wait, Sean, what about you? Came- what was your? Oh, yeah, what's your personal? Yeah, sure. yeah. yeah where'd your you relationship come from with, with this movie? movie? Yeah, I, I just like Edwin, I watched it hundreds of times as a child uh and somehow all the jokes kind of went over my head i mean it's funny like <laughs> just just to recap for people maybe who haven't watched it recently there's alcoholism sex yeah. murder um you know there's all kinds of crime like blackmail and things like guns and yeah Corporate it's, it's fraud. A, sure it's it's a it's a yeah there's a lot of cd characters it's and and the end is very scary I would say. Yeah. yeah. A fascist <laughs> judicial system. All kinds of things yeah. to be scared of. Mm-hmm. You know what this movie His is? eyes turned into knives. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, um, yeah. So, yeah, it really is not for kids, but somehow maybe but like, you know, little jokes like, uh, say, Eddie, is that a rabbit in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? Like, you know, I, you wouldn't get that as a kid. So it's just you know, like, uh, you know what I thought the comp for this movie, the best comp walking out after i saw this is like this feels like a uh shrek for the generation before um mm. in terms of like totally. it's big the beginning animated hit and also like for kids for parents that bring their kids to the movie there's something for them there's something for their kids because like yeah when you have all the looney tunes in this movie it's for kids like there's some like all of it is it's fun to watch the animation but like yes they give a lot for adults to to like as well it's a hard it's a really hard uh, uh, tightrope to walk, but a few movies have done it really well, and this felt like this felt like Shrek in this movie, knock it out of the park. 
This is this is the beginning of that. Like the, I think that Roger Rabbit, you can kind of you know you can see in in the in its you know origin that like it really is kind of one of the first times that pe- they the studios like blended that you know adult humor with mm-hmm. you know uh, you know kids stuff, which is animation. Um, I also think uh, that this movie, I, you know, I actually think like. This the the all the characters appearing on screen together, I think, might have been something for the like for the older generation as well. Like, yes, the kid, the totally. cartoons have tons of kid appeal, but like know, Betty Boop about showing movie, up, yeah, yeah. Well, just they all appear together. Just, uh, yeah, Mickey Mouse yeah. and Bugs Bunny in the same scene talking to each other. Like, I, I imagine for um, you know, I grew up watching a lot of Looney Tunes and things like that, but so did my parents and other people, you know, older generations. And mm-hmm. I think uh, there was probably a lot to appreciate uh in the cartoon crossover that's something too that like the muppets have been had been doing for decades where like so much of the charm of the muppets and the magic of the muppets comes from the fact that they're practical puppets and those are often you know real people are in muppets movies that's they've been doing that for a while this felt like the first time i'd seen something that got to that level of of quality of like of, of a muppet movie um i mean blending animation I'm sure it's an entirely different beast than than doing puppetry. Both have their own challenges and rewards, but like, man, uh, this felt like a Muppet movie in terms of one, you know, a couple main human characters surrounded by an entire cast that shows up all at the same time often um, in these sort of big set piece numbers. Uh, They sing songs. They sing songs. (laughs) Uh, It had some Muppet energy, but, but they were able to kind of, like the action sequences you wouldn't really see in, in a Muppet movie like this one. I think too, the cartoon tone, it like balances out the real which uh, or human mm-hmm. violence that we see. Um, like it, it, it softens a lot of the actual things that we see. Um, I think to get back to what you were saying, Sean, about the things that maybe as kids, maybe went over our heads because it's all grounded in this cartoon world where anything is possible. That and we're very the only familiar dangerous with. Yeah. To dip. Yeah, the only dangerous yeah. thing is the dip, and everything else is is plates breaking on heads and pianos falling out of windows and uh, just ins- insanity. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, so like I said, I watched this as much as a kid. I I watched it recently, and that's what sort of inspired me to do it for for the podcast because um, it also is just such an interesting movie when you look into the backstory <laughs> and how they made it. Um. Uh. So, Roger, uh, who framed Roger Rabbit? It came out in uh 1988. Uh, it was uh. It's important to mention that it was the production companies were Touchstone Pictures, which was Disney, Amblin Entertainment, which is Steven Spielberg. Um, and uh, and it was directed by Robert Zemeckis. You guys know that name? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. He he did, he did. Uh, Forrest Gump, uh, Back to the Future, so many uh, which things, had already yeah. come out by the time this movie uh, was released. Um, it uh, it the budget was fifty million dollars, and it made three hundred and fifty million dollars at the box office. So it was a big wow. hit. Um, Roger Rabbit is based off of a uh, a book called Who Censored Roger Rabbit. So um, huh. Gary K. Wolf. Uh, was the writer that he was inspired by serial commercials at the time had a lot of um, cartoons talking to people in real life. And he was like, it's, it's really interesting because 
everybody treats it as totally normal. Like that Tony, the tiger is there. Like they just like are having a conversation with him about how great the cereal is. Like, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> in conversation just... with Tony, the tiger, <laughs> yeah. he, he wants to talk about one thing and one thing only. How good is I cereal? Mean, they're pretty good. <laughs> they're great. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's uh, the worst podcast guest ever. Yeah. That's what he's. That's what he's review on everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but uh, that mixed with his love of of crime novels, he came up with this idea. Um, the book is completely different from the movie. I Roger know. Rabbit is the one who's murdered early on. Oh. Um, there's all kinds of little things that he wrote into the reality of that world too, like. Uh, Roger Rabbit's actually the star of a comic strip in the in the book, and he talks he he has talk bubbles. So when he's murdered, they find his talk bubble at the c- scene of the crime, so they know his last <laughs> his final words. Um, it's it's really wild. There's a magic genie. There's all kinds of crazy stuff in there. Um, but uh, uh, basically. Uh, they uh, through this. I was watching this documentary on YouTube that I really highly recommend uh, people go check out if they're interested. The complicated history of who framed Roger Rabbit uh, by Yester World Entertainment. It really gets into depth about like you know somebody at Disney fell in love with the script, and then you know there's all this like back and forth politics, and you know uh, they got Steven Spielberg involved just so that he could help them sort of like make the deals with like Bugs Bunny and Mm. uh, getting Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse on screen at the same time. That was kind of one of the things that he helped uh, get permission to do. Um, I didn't even uh, think about that. Yeah. Yeah. I read that uh, the arrangement was that they had to be on screen for the exact same amount of time. Right. So if you think about it, that's, that's exactly what happens when they're parachuting. They're on either side of him, taking up the same amount of the screen they both have like back and forth lines and then they're just, you know, they're out together. So, and at oh, the that's... end, they're in that mon, they're in that ensemble montage kind of together, but they're both yeah. very, very prominent. Yeah. Yeah. Cause at uh... first, at first, like they wanted to have all like any, basically every big animated character you can think of was written into the script and they were just getting no's from everybody, like including their own studios. Like, right. Cause we're talking saying, like, ah. like Disney and Warner brothers at the time. Like it wasn't right. Right. There was bad blood there bad because blood. Um, Looney Tunes was originally like a, just a co- like a ripoff of Mickey Mouse cartoons. And like they had like s- some Fox character who looked just like Mickey Mouse. Like and then um, and then they got in trouble with Disney. That's how they went on to develop Looney Tunes. So they went on to uh, there was a animator named Tex Avery who oh, yeah. invented the. Uh, yeah, yeah the, he invented the cor- like cartoon violence sort of like smashing people's heads with a frying pan and mm. and uh all the kind of like um stuff you'd see in a wily e. coyote cartoon um i but... will say that the cartoon violence in this movie it made me laugh in a way that i wasn't expecting a lot of times yeah, same. like what it, what specifically it... for whatever reason the scene where uh he's like I think Roger's like I, I. I'm trying to remember exactly when this happens, but I think he says, "I'll watch." Yeah, I watch you, Eddie. I got you. I'm on backup, and he like is walking around and he's talking to himself, and, and he gets hit in the head with the frying pan. <laughs> yeah, For reason, that really again. made me laugh. Like I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I really loved the exchange of physics between like the real world and Toontown where just like yeah the things that ha- yeah like when when Valiant falls off that building and like his he falls and then his hat goes down I like I like yeah, that oh, when yeah. you're in Toontown that happens uh yeah that's so true or when yeah. the elevator goes up and he's just like flat on the floor yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then likewise for the tunes that were in like the real world where it's like they have to like they bump up against real physics you know and everyone's like ah you can hurt the tunes they're fine like you can do whatever you want to them <laughs> uh it's worth mentioning that Richard Williams animation did uh did the uh, animation for this movie and they hunted uh this guy down uh after going through a lot of different animation departments and uh he eventually made the Thief and the Cobbler the Thief and the Cobbler if you know oh, that wow. um, yeah I haven't thought about very, that in a really long time <laughs> right so he's just to, just to say that like he, Richard Williams is a genius mm. when it comes to animation um and they got so they got the best. Um, <laughs> uh, now, really quick, uh, I've I've held off on like I didn't want to research this movie a bunch, but right before uh, yeah. I left that to to you, Sean, the host. Uh, do you, did this movie like win awards? Like, is it was it a was it a critically respected movie? Because I I really haven't really looked it up. That is a good question. Um, it did win some it's awards. A, yeah, it did win some awards. It it uh, it won uh, just just it won a lot of awards. Oh, uh, yeah. just Oscars. It won, oh, it won best Oscar. film editing, uh, best sound effects editing, best, best visual effects. Of course. Oh, that does um, not surprise. Sound effects. That is awesome. I, I noticed that in the mm-hmm. movie. How awesome yeah. <laughs> the sound design is. And um, they gave a special achievement award to Richard Williams, the the animator. Oh. Um, Wow. The animation director. Uh, they got nominated for Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, and uh, and Best Sound uh, as wow. well. Um, I so do this, also believe this movie was critically very well loved. Um, yeah. It was a hit. It was it was definitely a hit, and it was really popular. Um, uh, other movies that came out this year, Die Hard. Heard of it. Big. Heard of it. Heathers, Rain Man. Twins, Cocktail, Fish Called Wanda, The Naked Gun, Earth Girls Are oh, wow. Easy. Wow. Uh, also, Akira and Totoro came out this Whoa. year. Whoa. Akira. What a year. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. the year I was born. I mean, come on. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, <laughs> man, I, re- what are you gonna way, do to I happened to rewatch A Fish Called Wanda over the holidays. Dude, that's a good... That's a good movie. It's not. Edwin, it have is you seen not. It? When's the last time you what? saw it, dude? <laughs> oh, I, guess, I haven't. Uh, it's. It was really, really it. hard to get through. It was so oh, okay. bad. <laughs> I mean, That's, Sean, wow, I know should... you, and I know if movies do not age well, you're you are not on board. And oh my god, that movie! <laughs> I guess I've forgotten. Yeah, so bad. Maybe that's a reason to watch one for this but, podcast. Yeah, Kevin Klein won Best Supporting Actor, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Um, I also just want to shout out, uh, sorry, really the, quick too. Uh, Rain Man and twins came out in the same year. Yeah. What a year for, what a year for duos <laughs> for, for zany yeah. duos. <laughs> Here's Rain Man. This like serious Oscar movie about autism and, and siblings. And twins. And here's Danny DeVito and Schwarzenegger in twins. Twin. <laughs> 
One's big and one's small. Yeah. You like Rayman? You're going to love twins. Uh, awesome. Uh, I also just want to mention Bob Hoskins, the star of uh, uh, Eddie Valiant, uh, who, like, he doesn't have, um, I didn't see a ton of movies that I was familiar with, but but Mario in Super Mario Bros., the original, and Shmi in Hook. Mm -hmm. That's Shmi. I was like, man, this guy... He's familiar in some way, and I was like, he must have been a known actor at the time to get this role. It's a huge role. Uh, yeah, he- Smee. Okay, all right. From Hook, click in now. Uh, that kind of is. A, I mean, I think we'll as we as we you go, we funny? can continue to talk about. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, a quick one that I had to uh, double check real quick. But I remember, in I think in high school, we watched a Shakespeare play like a tape of a Shakespeare play and Bob Hoskins was in it. I don't remember what role it was, but it was this very funny realization that he's Eddie from who framed Roger. Rabbit. <laughs> it was like a British man playing, uh, playing um, uh, a Shakespearean character. It was really, really funny. Uh, that, that kind of is, it concludes my back story on Ooh. the movie. Um, I have one extra piece of info for you. Yeah. Uh, in uh, the German name for Who Framed Roger Rabbit, because I'm in Switzerland, and when I Google it, it comes up like the suggested results all the time, is uh, Falschenspiel meets Roger Rabbit, <laughs> <laughs> which translates directly to wrong play with Roger Rabbit. <laughs> wrong play. Yeah. yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Before we uh, go on to just kind of talk about the rest of the movie, I think we were going to introduce a, a new segment here uh, where we'll do uh, the Dundee, our Dundies yeah. for the movie uh, after we go over a little backstory and nod to our, our other podcast, the Michael Scott Podcast Company. If you like The Office, go check that out. Our, these are our roots. Um, these are a shout out to mm-hmm. our roots. And, and I'll say mm-hmm. to you, a Dundee is, we would define it as an award you may or may not want to win. Yes. Um, my Dundee for Who Framed Roger Rabbit goes to Bob Hoskins, uh, for best American accent. I was, I had no idea that he is very British. Well, this is a good, okay. Hey, I, I, I had no idea. That's crazy that he's, yeah. So this has been happening for a long time because now every movie is like, oh yeah, there's not an American actor in that movie. And you're like, really? This took place in like Alabama in the seventies. It's like, nope, all Australian all british um that's so that's crazy because 
the choice to make this movie, and it makes a lot more sense. I didn't realize this is based off the book, but I was like, the choice to make this set in 1940s Hollywood was really interesting because I thought, I was like, oh, this came out in 1988. It's going to take place in the 80s. So I, I didn't even know it was it took place in the 40s. Um, yeah. Which is even harder for, I would feel like, an English ac- actor to get that accent of like that era of the American dialect. And then uh, the whole movie just... Like it never felt cheesy that it was as like this film noir. It actually, I think it helped mm-hmm. soften the edges between like the real life and the animation. Um, you know, the fact that it, he was this sort of noir detective, it kind of yeah. let him play it as, as a cartoon almost of like a noir detective. I think it probably helped with an English actor just like, hey, go over the top here. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. Edwin exactly. He, he's a, he's a Shakespearean actor and, um, <laughs> That's kind of what you need for Who Framed Roger Rabbit because a lot of the times he is not acting with anything in front of him. There's just people all around the set just pulling fish wire to like, you know, you know, like, uh, you know, Roger hits a fan and like a bunch of papers go everywhere. Like that's just kind of like when you see the 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 clips without the animation in it, it's just Bob Hoskins talking to nothing. (laughs) <laughs> and uh <laughs> i mean and he just does an incredible job and you have i mean i'm sure that it was um i mean they were very technical with you know where he has to be looking there were there were storyboards that were made for everything uh ahead of time so not only it's it's hitting your mark is much more specific and much more important in this so yeah i think you you needed a great shakespearean actor like bob hoskins it was very funny to think of him interacting with all these different characters. All the time, he has to, he's grabbing Roger Rabbit and pulling him close. At the end, he gives him the big kiss. All these times yeah. that he has to play with the cartoon world is is so funny when you think about like all the different things you got to do. Like holding the at the end when he's holding the mallet with the that has the boxing glove, he's got to like exaggerate all of these moments, and he has yeah. to react when he's getting mm-hmm. hit by cartoons and uh, all these different things. It's very funny to, uh, to think about that, but yeah, he really play, I mean, <laughs> was... he plays it over the top, but in a way that is necessary for this role in this movie. Totally. Yeah. You, you have to. And, and I mean, um, what was the name of the animator? You said it was something Williams, Richard Williams. Richard Williams. I mean, I mean the fact that if they truly did have to really like, hunt him down and, and be like, this is the guy. I mean, that was a great call. That was a good investment by the people mm-hmm. that made the movie because, I, I like you, Edwin. I kept rewinding little bits just to be because I was like, the it, the lines got really blurry between the, what was the practical world and what was animation in a way that was like shout out to them pulling this off in the eighties because like there yeah like you said there are times when he would throw Roger Rabbit or something would get thrown into like in the warehouse into a bunch of boxes or something, and the way that the actual boxes the way they had them like explode all out and like the, all the real props that he was interacting with really just it worked so well um i was so impressed with the technical side of this movie and like even the green screen like the fact that the animations they looked like just a tiny bit extra fuzzy it actually really worked i don't know if that makes sense but like it Mm -hmm. wasn't really sharp hd and the fact that they kind of they almost had this ghost like quality that i thought really actually helped the overall effect everything you just said was just so highly deliberate and they uh, they specifically were like a cartoon the cartoons need to interact with the physical world as much as possible the weasels are always holding real guns which are 
being puppeted from above by a guy <laughs> with a wire. And um, they built all kinds of little Whoa. robots and things like that for like, you know, Roger taking a shot and then throwing the shot glass. Like that's like a <laughs> custom robot just for that one little Whoa. part. Um, it is, it was the Disney was not really doing well at the time. They had, they made like uh, the, like the black cauldron wasn't, uh, was kind of one of their biggest movies. Oh, like, uh-huh. yeah. And like, it, it was a kind of a flop and they had done like Pete, the dragon where like Pete just kind of looks like, you know, pasted onto the, onto the screen. Um, they were aware through failures, basically that like, they just, they had to do something that really looked different and believable. So they put a lot of effort into the puppeting, drawing the animation in a way that actually like interacts with the lighting. So like they would like, you know, if Roger walks under a lamp, like, the lighting like he's lit in a way like they had to draw that in or they drew Mm -hmm. drew in shadows and things like that um it's it's wild uh i was so impressed by that yeah very cool it it's really really cool and then what was the last thing you said (laughs) another point to make but i'm not um, sure oh like the way they looked like the kind of ghostly quality to the oh yeah that was also another thing where they were like using like haze when they would photograph the, um, you know, the glass plates that they do the animation on, they would like, it, you, they like use some different filming techniques specifically so that it would look like the, the characters were there in it, real life. It really did look cool. I mean, the first when you first see Jessica Rabbit, we should probably talk about that scene. <laughs> that seems to be the marquee scene of this movie. Um, I, but the the way that she looks was so. Like she is like a dream, like like this. Uh, she has she's almost sparkling. There's all these effects mm-hmm. to her that is like sort of in the eye of the beholder for the people that are at that club, you know, watching the show. Where it's just like I I don't know if this person is real or not, and I think that's sort of the effect she was meant to have on people. Yeah, there is like like a blurriness, a fuzziness that sort of I think helps. I think if this movie were made today, it feels like they would almost be too sharp. They would go in the opposite direction. And they, yes. it, the char- the like the characters and the cartoons might seem too crisp and too animated. It almost right. it would because they'd I'm use a computer or something. To- yeah, mm-hmm. it feels like it would dip into uncanny valley territory if they if they tried to make this movie today. They would totally. make it like too realistic well, and yeah. We saw this with I mean the new the new okay so the other my other frame of reference for live action and animation is Space Jam the first Space Jam yeah in like ninety six. And that did sure. a pretty good job, but I would say like not as good of a job as this movie in terms of like when they interact with the cartoons, it felt a little more real in this movie for some reason than it did in Space Jam. And then go to the new Space Jam that came out a couple years ago, where it was just this assault on the senses. Talk about overproduced. I just have like I don't know where, like what world are we in? I don't nothing. There's nothing is real enough, and also nothing is fake enough. So I'm like this. It just was caught between the two worlds. In a way that this movie intentionally was like, there's Toontown, there's here, and we're going to explore what relationship would actually exist between the humans and the Toons. Uh, It just, it this movie asked a lot more interesting questions than any like, in a way that that made the animation interacting with the humans totally made sense. As opposed to, you know, Space Jam, it's just like the aliens come in and they kidnap them and they take them to their planet. That's Toons. This is like, no, here on Earth, there is a portal to Toontown. And likewise, yeah. and we bleed Tunnel. into each other's worlds, 
and you can just drive there. You, just, you can just drive there. <laughs> <laughs> through the big red curtain. I think a piece of that too might be that Bob Hoskins is better at doing this kind of acting than like Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan. That's um, huge. No, no, That's no huge. shade whatsoever to. MJ, Charles, everyone else in that movie. But, you know, and inside the NBA, sometimes they play back that clip of Charles Barkley getting taken over by the alien and they, they kind of laugh about it. It's pretty good. Um, like Bob Hoskins does such a crazy yeah. job interacting with all the, again, yeah. we've talked about this already, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. It brings the movie to life. Uh, did you guys, what about your Dundies? Yeah, I got, I got a Dundee here. This is um, Dundee for the best use of artificial intelligence slash dystopian weapon. Uh, this is an award to the AI revolver that I am uh, the huh. gun that Valiant uses. Smart bullets. Towards the, yeah, when, when I saw this, I was like, oh my God, this movie invented artificial intelligent weapons. Uh, what an incredible <laughs> advancement. Uh, jumping 40 years ahead in the future to well, bullets that have that. smart or guns that have smart bullets that can talk to you, that know you by name, that will do your bidding. But much but much like current AI, it's only as good as how you direct it. This is why the, I gave this bullet. award. Is he at one point he shoots the bullets? Thumbs. <laughs> yeah, and, ju- and Judge Doom, uh, or it goes one way, and they're like, "Which way did he go?" <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> it's like, it's like oh, we're not quite there with AI. Almost, I can still yeah. tell the pictures are fake. But uh, dude, that part is so. The sick hand has too many bring- fingers. Yeah, it's always like little things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So best dude, use of AI. Is- uh, so great when he brings out the box and like open like it's so like he throws the bottle up in the air and then just yeah. like <laughs> I know the bullets jump into his gun like yeah let's go uh, yeah me I was a little disturbed by the whole it was just a little bit like whoa this is kind of crazy what are we saying about America here uh, but that the reason I I, I want to bring this award up is just because exploring this. Class sort of class thing between the tunes and the humans uh, was was really interesting part of it, and I don't know if that's sort of what was meant by yeah. this movie, but to me when he yeah. when he brings that gun out is sort of the moment where the two become intertwined, and fr- sort of from that point on, once he goes into Toontown, you really get to uh, sort of explore the themes for this movie throughout. Or like why like do tunes have why do humans treat tunes the way they do? I mean, Roger yeah. Rabbit is just getting beat up at work all the time. No one seems to care. That's just like, these are the point of tunes. It's almost like, I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about the refrigerator. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's like, no, no, they, they want to work. They're happy when they work. Look at them. Uh, yeah. And sort of that, when, when he sort of uses the tune technology on his side, it seems to flip. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of well, wanted to explore that idea that, that we see in the movie. And maybe this is a good time to talk about Judge Doom as well, because we haven't really talked about this we character have. that is that is whoa oh my god terrifying <laughs> i think one one little thing that maybe plays on this uh this relationship is some of the funnier moment, moments in the movie to me came when roger rabbit was speaking up and being very serious and he's i'm not going to try to do the voice but he says just a second i have to express my moral outrage when he <laughs> when he thinks that he's holding them all up with the gun before they drop yeah. a ton of bricks on him yeah, like it's it's very funny sometimes when he's saying things that are very honest and earnest. Um, he's like, "I've got something to say," but yeah. it's you know, it, yeah, yeah. The, the ton of bricks that reminds me too. There's just a lot of this movie has a lot of fun, sort of tipping its hat to the audience and being like, "Yep, this is zany old cartoons." Like it's like they can't help but do these old cartoon tropes that we all know so well. I mean, that's even what Judge Doom uses 
to apprehend Roger Rabbit the first time, which is he does the shave and a haircut. And Roger Rabbit can't help <laughs> no bust down to the wall and go, two <laughs> yeah. bits! Like, there's this there's this leverage that humans have over tunes where they're like, we know what we know exactly how they behave and why they do it. Um, so when Doom showed up with his dip, I, that was so scary, man. He is an all time villain. Yeah. Like Judge Doom is terrifying. He, he just kills that little shoe, dude. I, I know that's the thing. It really, yeah. That was like was terrifying. That was like the Green Mile. Like watching a, this thing be put to death slowly. I was like, oh my oh, god, <laughs> this is like as a kid. What did you guys just seeing that as a child? I mean, that must have been scarring. A shoe that's like no, no, no! <laughs> and it's, it's like sizzled to death in this dip. Mm-hmm. And horrifying. then they show it on the on the liquid, just like the red. God, you got to remember, we were still watching cartoons like Bambi. <laughs> like, like we'd seen some horrible things. I guess so. I can think of a number of cartoon movies that had like scary parts, and I would watch them anyway. But like, oh, we got to the scary part. <laughs> Yeah. And this was one of those, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you watch the rest of the movie, be like, oh, we're at the scary part. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. That whole scene when um when uh, the head of Acme has been uh, murdered in the you get the police going through all the gags. They got the they introduce the the hole in the wall. You can just slap it up on the <laughs> yeah, uh, wall and put awesome. your and then Eddie uses it later to get out of the magnet. It's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. the funny thing about this whole interaction and this like how do the humans control or create the cartoons? Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, cartoons, the tunes are actually these all powerful beings. They can yes. do anything. They can like crush things in the physical world. Only when have, it's funny. Yeah. But only when it's <laughs> funny, I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of like house elves as, as Roger in, uh, in Harry Potter. It's kind of my other allegory I thought of. I know Edwin, you're not, you don't, you're not a Harry Potter head, but the house elves <laughs> are like, extraordinarily magic powerful beings but they've sort of just been cast as that's where i sort of got the idea of like no they want to work they're only happy when they work for us mm-hmm. yet they kind of have incredible magic in them that they they don't really use because they don't need to but that's how i felt about the tunes i had that thought thought and when yeah like yeah if they the tunes revolt they could just take over the earth pretty easily over the world. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like humans look pretty fragile compared to them uh mm-hmm. You know, and and I guess I guess Judge Doom, that character serves as the sort of like, what if a tune figured this out? Uh, as, yeah. As we learn. He's anyway. The tune. He's the tune that murdered Eddie's mm-hmm. brother. Yeah. Oh my um, god, that was probably the best line. My favorite moment in the whole movie, by the way, was just that the film noir shot where he's when Valiant's drinking in the bar, and it's like. <laughs> They were like, what's wrong with him? Or why is he so uptight? And he's like, Toon killed his brother. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, la- yeah. I laughed so hard at the way that line was delivered. And it was so <laughs> silly. Toon like, uh, killed his brother. <laughs> Loved it. And there's something funny, too, that it's like, every Toon knows that you, if a Toon's in trouble, you got to go to Valiant and Valiant. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I love Eddie. that this. Yeah. yeah, I love that. That's right. Yeah, Eddie was. Uh, you know, everyone in Toontown knows him. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. Even even when he's re- recounting the day of the 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 murder, he says, "We're chasing a bank robbery. He's stolen a zillion simoleons." <laughs> yeah. First National Bank of Toontown. Yeah, yeah that's great. It, it was awesome. Dropped a piano on us from fifteen <laughs> stories. Yeah. It's like very, it's so funny the way that it blurs together. Yeah. And I think it's funny too, to think that as a kid or kids watching this movie, um, it's funny to be introduced to the tropes of like noir through a movie like this. I also remember 
like a Garfield story that I read as a kid that had all these noir elements to it and stuff. And it's just very <laughs> funny to think that something that is that, that it's it's so different from the cartoon world, which is probably why they were brought together in the first place. Or as you explained, Sean, that is why kind of they were brought together in the first place. But it's just such a funny uh, two different tropes and storytelling methods mm-hmm. brought together. Like there's the intense seriousness and the complete um, ridiculousness altogether. Yeah, it's I, I that is really one thing that's they they came up with rules for this world and they and they stick to them. Uh, and uh, it just like it, they, they took like the kind of like the Tex Avery, like cartoon violence and kind of made it like legitimately dangerous, like mm-hmm. is is really uh, fun and weird. <laughs> uh, Edwin, do you have a Dundee that you'd like to share? Thank you. I do. I have two. Um, and I don't know if you have more, but uh, the first one I have is best supporting accessory and it goes to Eddie Valiant's tie. Oh my <laughs> I love Eddie's tie. It's, it's like so too bad. short. So, so fat. Short. And it makes him, it, it, it's, it's, I can think of other examples. I can, I'm thinking of Donkey Kong and then Charlie from it's always sunny in Philadelphia when they have the short <laughs> wide tie. Yeah. And it's so funny. Like it's yeah. such an off, it really, it, it, but it also is like an element. Like you can pull the tie and grab the tie. Um, I think when he's with uh, what RK Maroon, yeah. um, the tie yeah. is in this, the, I don't remember what he puts it, it in the, yeah, yeah. Typewriter or something like that. And it gets stuck in the, yeah, the rolls. Um, it's whatever they were watching. Like he was watching a film on it earlier in the movie. You're right. They're rewatching the film reels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, got a rubble, and then yeah, mm-hmm. another newsreel. Yeah, mm-hmm. Cloverleaf buys the red line. <laughs> In case you didn't know, this movie is a uh, loosely based on a conspiracy about getting rid of public transportation to support yeah. freeways. Yeah, yeah, um, and also paving over you know like neighborhoods to build freeways. Also, which uh, Portland has a terrible history. Oh yeah. With. Oh, sure. Uh, but the other thing that I'm thinking of is that scene where Jessica Rabbit shows up at Eddie Valiant's office and he's just, he comes out of the bathroom and he's just wearing his tie, but no shirt underneath. <laughs> and then I think he puts on a shirt yeah. after that. And then his hairy, pants fall down. Hairy, yeah. hairy guy. <laughs> it's just very funny to see a man with no shirt and a tie on. Like, I don't know why yeah, that's, that's so that. silly. Yeah, yeah. It's the it inverse of the porky pig. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just t-shirt, like a, shirt and nothing yeah. else <laughs> it's just nothing but a tie or the top there's like there's like a seriousness and like a so there are so many pieces that are involved in his outfit um like the hat and the tie and the shirt and the jacket and the pants um yeah. it's just it's very funny that he's got like this whole collected ensemble um when he's running around fighting crime <laughs> fighting crime yeah i mean the noir part of it was is just makes this movie work so much because like inherently I feel like in that noir genre, it's a little bit campy. It's a little bit, yeah. it's so stylized. It's so, but if you're going to have cartoons in your movie, it just like, that was just the, the good move to go with that kind of film noir look. And mm-hmm. like I say too, having, having Valiant be like a legitimate alcoholic and that comes up several times throughout the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it made it, it was like, it, it doesn't let you forget about the human problems, even though we're dealing with cartoons so much. I, I really mm-hmm. like that about the movie. And like, Eddie's, he's kind of lonely. He you know, he lost his brother. Yeah. 
He's like an alcoholic. Like it, yeah, like it's real grief. Like there's he used real, to have a good thing yeah. with Dolores. He's yeah. going through the old pictures. Yeah, yeah. it's like he's a really yeah. tragic. And Dolores person. is just waiting for him to kind of like pull himself together. Yeah. I just I really like that. It, it would have been easy to do this movie and just hey, here's the hard boiled detective. We don't need to know about him. But I liked that they took some time to like, you know, what problems are humans having? <laughs> what problems are tunes having? How do we how do we mix them? Uh, I really mm-hmm. liked it. I think one of the mm-hmm. best scenes in the movie was when Valiant gets home, I think. Um, and they sort of, without any words, they sort of tell the story of him and his brother of the background yep. through some old clips, yep. through like some stuff. I thought that was just really clever, really touching way to kind of give the exposition on his character without him. You know, he could have been at a bar and being like, you know, my brother and give a whole speech. But I like that it's sort of just this lonely, quiet scene where you just pan around his room and you get to learn like, why why does he hate tunes? Because that's a big part of this is him getting over his own like bias. Dude, this is just like what I mean. This movie is just a it's a it's a movie movie. It's a like it's very Hollywood. It's got I mean they they Same show rather than movie. tell. They spent they they put a lot of work into the sets and the and the and the set pieces and stuff like that. I mean it's just like. It really that yeah stuff like that really makes the movie so good and you wouldn't you wouldn't see I, I feel like just like we were saying if they made this movie today they wouldn't put so much effort into the details like that mm-hmm. I don't think I think one thing that makes me think of as well is we talked about the cartoon uh, craziness and how they can kind of do anything with anything as long as it's funny and these properties of the real world don't apply to them it's very funny to watch that contrast that against not just the noir styling but the the sort of technology or the things that they use, like when Eddie is figuring out about the will, he sees through the, he uses a magnifying glass to look at a picture in a newspaper. Yeah. And like, they're always a computer. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so funny that he's literally using a magnifying glass in a newspaper to do his detective work. Um, Yeah. When, when all this insane possibility exists with, uh, with the cartoons. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Edwin, you said you had a second Dundee. I do, and it's for best surprise cartoon ending, and it goes to the train taking out the Dipmobile at the <laughs> nice. end of the movie. I one thing which basically probably might have happened uh, either way. The Dipmobile. Well, it's very funny that I because so rewatching this movie, it's probably been I would guess somewhere between five and ten years since I've seen this movie last, and I don't remember. I remember a lot of it from watching it a lot as a kid, but I don't remember. I didn't remember every little. Uh, beat yeah and there would be scenes where i'd be like all right i think this is going to happen next right okay this and this all right i remember this part i remember mm-hmm. this line i remember this scene etc and then as the as the the dip mobile as i affectionately called it it <laughs> was like streaming it. out towards toontown at the end of the movie i remember thinking to myself how do they get rid of this again and then it's just <laughs> and, I, and it really made me laugh and i was like all right there you go that's it that's it <laughs> i was scared in that moment i thought he was accidentally was going to flood toontown with all that dip it was just going to yeah. seep in like a contaminant from an oil spill or something and just kill all the crops in Toontown. <laughs> but it didn't. Oh, man. It's, I do uh... also think maybe another third minor dip delivery is, or uh, Dundee, for uh, best single line delivery goes to Jessica Rabbit for saying, Oh my God, it's dip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they completely change her. Like, change she's her all of a sudden and got like eyes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, because right, the whole <laughs> entire movie, she's basically at like two angles, which is like mm-hmm. she's like looking through one eye with her hair, 
like mm-hmm. you know hips swinging around or she's walking away from someone looking back one eye with her hair. and then at yeah, that moment mm-hmm. you knew it was it's, real because she lost her it's, shit it's a big <laughs> contrast from i'm not bad i'm just drawn that way yeah, yeah so, love that oh one. my god it's <laughs> we're, by the way were jessica rabbit and the baby were they like the only humans like tune humans is there a subgenre of because most of the tunes yeah. are animals so it's like, yeah, yeah. it's just I, a weird also, middle. It's a weird gray area. Like, what's the politics of <laughs> tunes that are people? <laughs> in the opening mm. cartoon, also, you see the mom's legs. And then uh, when Roger uh, is leaving the stage, uh, it's revealed that there's a man on stilts with the legs on. <laughs> cartoon legs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's not that's not even a person. Yeah. yeah. Also, um, also Raul J. Raul. What an amazing! Yeah, I did like that. Unbelievable! Yeah, look, stars. Raúl, (laughs) I'm ready for yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Callbacks, a lot of great callbacks in this movie. You mentioned the uh, the the little gag with with the hole. You slap a hole, and then you can yeah, yeah, yeah. Loved that, and then it also ends kind of ends where it started with the hand buzzers, like kind of the back to basics when we first meet Acme uh, before he's murdered. He does the hand buzzer thing at the party. He's got all the tricks. A uh, number sleeve. one seller. And it's, yeah. I love that that stuff's really bothering Valiant, where he's just like, I'm so tired of this. And then at the end, he hits the <laughs> buzzer. Uh, he's got the hand buzzer on, and he's sort of like, you know, hey, Eddie, Eddie found his, his old self, his old sense of humor, yeah. his old, you know, he believes in magic. Again. Roger does it to him, and then he gives him a big, smooch. big old kiss. <laughs> uh, yeah, and everyone like turtles up after he hits him yeah. with the hand buzzer. Roger, yeah, and he's like, no, nah, I like jokes now, guys. Love jokes. Not I love the way that Bob anymore. Hoskins acts out the hand buzzer too. He really, really sells it. There are, yeah, some <laughs> incredible <laughs> moments of humans selling the animation. I number one, this is my backup Dundee for best salesman uh, to Christopher Lloyd in the scene when he's when he does capture Robert Rabbit and he's about to put him in the dip, and then at. Eddie's like, no, you should drink this. Let's give him one last drink. No, I really, yes, you do. No, I don't. They go back and forth, <laughs> drinks the whiskey. Yeah. And as he's shaking before his like head explodes, there's a shot of Christopher Lloyd, you know, all black, black gloves. And he's, he's, he's supposed to be holding Roger Rabbit's neck and he's just going like, <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> he's doing the craziest shake job. And I'm like, give, Dude, give yeah. that man his paycheck. Good for him. When you when you know too that Christopher Lloyd is a is a tune, you realize like his acting throughout the movie has been so strange. Yeah. Like he's just, like the way he moves and like he's like like you know his expression changes like really fast. It looks and, like, like he's wearing a it's like oh he's trying to... even though he's not the whole time I was yeah. like that's Christopher Lloyd right and I wasn't hundred percent sure his makeup is kind of making him look a little bit more like he's yes. like you know a pale like cartoon villain. Yeah. It's it's funny at the end when they look down at his remains or the the remains of the the clothes and the the face and everything and I think Eddie Valiant says it was a rubber mask. Like to imagine <laughs> it, it was actually a cartoon and rubber mask. You like it would actually be like so he speaks so clearly you know has anyone yeah. seen a rabbit like he's <laughs> but <laughs> right. if it was really a cartoon and a rubber mask how would that have sounded it, it's, so it's tune technology pitch, don't worry about it, is it. Tune technology. <laughs> did they pitch christopher lloyd's voice up a little bit 
Yeah. Okay. Because I was like, that's not. For, as... Oh, at the end. But I thought sure. the whole movie, I was like, that's a little higher than Christopher Lloyd's voice. And maybe oh. it's because he was filled with helium oh. the whole time. I don't know. But it was like they had a something. I don't know. It was just like a little bit different. Because, um, hmm. I mean, I think Christopher Lloyd got to be one of Zemeckis' guys after Back to the Future. That's only right. Only a few years yeah, before. That's right. Um, before he found Tom Hanks and was like, now I only work with Tom Hanks. Um, <laughs> but this was like, I, I, I don't know. I, I was a big, I thought Judge Doom is another reason this movie succeeds um, outside of outside of Hoskins acting performance. And then this general technical achievement of the cartoons like that, having that villain grounded the whole movie in, in a really good way. And it's, I didn't even think about it, Sean, you're right with the sunglasses, the hat, the cloak. I think it's, and, and, and rewatching a couple scenes, um, for instance, when Valiant spills the dip and gets away with Roger Rabbit after the scene I just said, the way that mm-hmm. Doom looks at the dip and backs up from it, uh, is <laughs> you realize, oh, he's really afraid of that as much as anyone. Right. Yeah. Because, it, but we learn later the dip doesn't really hurt humans. I mean, Valiant's Mm-mm. wading through it like he's in a creek. Yeah. At the end of the movie, yeah. So all that, all that was just like this was this character was so interesting and had so many layers, and and yeah, like like you said, just delivered the scariness of a villain that like we have to be against something. I I also love his weasels. That's just <laughs> every time they, they drive a real car that they're always crashing. <laughs> I just like, like how I just love that they're all in different colored zoot suits and they're all slinky and they all got a yeah. little like la- they're just Stop <laughs> that laughing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would hang it out. It's really the funny to watch them for sure. to watch them at the in the early scene where they park the car really poorly on the street. Like <laughs> yeah. it's very funny to see somebody park the car like that and then just get. Like, <laughs> It's always fishtailing around the streets. Yeah. yeah. I did like the, I love, love the weasels. Yeah. Great gang. <laughs> Great gang to be a part of. And I mean, when they are in uh, his apartment and he's like got uh, Roger in the sink, mm-hmm. um, uh, Eddie Valiant, uh, dude, that scene is so good. And that has so much going on. Like the guns are f- like, you know, they're, they're puppeteering the guns. There's all this water stuff going on. Like the weasel splashing him and like drags the chair around and gets, this, it, it, dude, it's just like, they have so much fun with the weasels and their whole scene where they're just dying one by one. I absolutely love that. <laughs> the little, ghost, little, little, yeah. little ghosts. Coming they're la- They're all laughing to, to death. Again, mm-hmm. kind of scary watching them all die. Just being like, yeah, they're dying. This is harsh, man. But they become little, yeah. little uh, angels. Yeah, with the little harp. Away. Yeah, what do they do? They yeah, become yeah. angels. Yeah, <laughs> I like. Yeah, the crazy one like hits the switch on the machine as he's like uh, <laughs> going to heaven. Um, I, I, how much do we want to do? We want to talk about the actual mystery, the plot at all? The plot. I mean, I think it's worth. I think it's really interesting like okay in the book it's a murder mystery that's Mm -hmm. just about the tunes and like there's not you guys haven't have you guys seen chinatown yeah no it's a so that's i know i'm aware i mean yeah yeah i'm aware it's it's film noir and yeah it's got um jack nicholson but like the the whole backstory is like this whole thing about controlling water in la and like it was, I mean, it was kind of similar with Roger Rabbit where it's like, it, yeah, it's all about public transportation and like destroying this, like, you know, 
minority community in order to build a freeway and and uh it's like mm-hmm. these are kind of real things that like were happening you know right. throughout american history and uh, uh or at least in the 1900s and like uh it was it again really grounded the movie and mm-hmm. and raised the stakes i think i mean that i mean it, it makes sense for when the movie's set right in like 1947 this is right at the dawn of the suburban like the golden era of or when suburbia basically came around to exist um going into the 50s in this period of like hyper american um wealth and stability and it's sort of this this age when everyone could have a car everyone could have a house and everyone moved out to the suburbs. They got created. So this was very much a real. This would have been a real issue in the in the late forties, early fifties, uh, where we're saying, "Hey, we want to create this road. We got to build it somewhere." Um, and this is, you know, this whole movie centers around the tunes getting control of their own community. It's like, hey, hey, can we give? Maybe the decisions about what happens here should come from the community itself. This is something that is still an issue today, um, <laughs> all over this country. So. Uh, you know, good on the movie for not, you know, kind of going right at that. Um, I, I don't know what in the late eighties, I don't know what the discourse was around this. I could imagine something similar, uh, with just, just sort of the expansion of materialism. I think the eighties were probably next to the fifties in terms of times when things just exponentially compounded in that arena. Uh, and this movie kind of wrestles with that. Yeah, I think, I I mean, mean, I think, oh, go ahead. Uh, one thing too is that the ending of this movie, it actually, at least for me in this moment in this year, 2024, uh, it was kind of funny when uh, Judge Doom says, they call it a freeway with petrol <laughs> stations and automobile dis- dealerships. Rapidly prepared uh, as food. As far as the eye can see. Yeah, rapidly prepared food. <laughs> there is, it, is, it is very funny that like that's the grand scheme right. is just a, a freeway. Um, and, and, you know, having lived in LA very recently, it was, it's, it's maybe more sad than funny because it's very true. It's all freeways uh, and public. He's, it's not just that it's all freeways. The public transportation is not great. It, yeah. He's describing Ooh. a flying J travel center with like, you know, like it's the Taj Mahal. <laughs> It'll be incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so shout out to judge doom for uh really, really high level uh, bad guy explaining his plot monologue loved oh it. yeah really classic stuff oh, yeah again very much in the noir <laughs> like someone's tied to a chair <laughs> and you know? yeah yeah and the bad guy's <laughs> like you almost had me but you didn't see this and then <laughs> gets his comeuppance um, um and then that yeah, he dies get... in his own dip good move yes yeah man i would say too like i will say uh, just one criticism of the movie is that mm-hmm. i kind of wish doom turned into a cartoon in the end the the weird like eyes that they animate over uh christopher lloyd and and that crazy hair and stuff like that I think it yeah. was a i think it was a missed opportunity to uh draw something very scary mm. Mm. yeah i mean it was very scary but maybe not in the way that they intended i mean it was so nightmare upsetting like the imagery of the knives and the eyes and like yeah probably what they giant like saw arm thing yeah but well i think too that there's oh yeah there's like a i don't i mean i don't know if it's if it would be more effective than what we got which is only to say that what we got was a person who had 
real human evil and real cartoon abilities. And yeah. uh, that was pretty terrifying in the moment when he makes the buzzsaw in his hand, you know? That's true. Yeah. But I think you're right, Sean. They could have... What if what if Judge Doom, when he is in his cartoon form, is, you know, bigger, scarier? Yeah, he's unleashed with all the powers of cartoon magic. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I did agree with that. Um, yeah. He should change many forms, like an anime villain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You haven't even seen my final form yet. Yeah. While, while we're on criticisms, if I may throw one out there of sure i'd say my one it's weird to say the thing i didn't like the most about this movie my least favorite character was roger rabbit i just found him really annoying and Hmm. was kind of ready for his (laughs) scenes to be over as soon as they started it was just too much maybe i think it was just the voice it was just like i just can't can't take a lot of that um it was just so manic every scene he was in I get that's the I understand that's the point I, I get it but what is it I, I'm trying to do please Eddie no I can't do it please Eddie yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't do it but you know, uh, shout out to yeah. Charles Fleischer yes. who is a great I, vocal I don't want to besmirch the performance and everything it was just yeah. it was just a lot that's fine I mean this I think that's a, good... a fair thing to say yeah. because i mean for someone growing up with the movie it's that is just that's it, he's he's kind of like bugs buddy to me a little bit mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. like just somebody that i've known and watched forever and um it, it's funny because the thing about it with the fresh eyes or the you know to be watching it now it, it I, I could understand it i will say though that like for whatever reason some of the cartoon silliness that he did made me laugh in other ways that i wasn't expecting like there's a moment where he puts the handcuffs on Eddie, and i think he goes you're under arrest he goes I can't do the noise, but yeah. <laughs> like the noise that he makes with his lips, it just really, it really got me in a way that is very silly and stupid and shouldn't feels like it shouldn't make me laugh in my advanced stage. But yeah, dude, I, I love when uh, he's doing shaving a haircut two pit bits doom is. And then Eddie just like, is like, man, I don't know who's nuttier, you or doom. And he turns around and Roger rabbits, like all twisted up, like <laughs> trying to hold it in and that. Yeah. Uh, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, I, I do want to take a second to say Charles Fleischer, like was on set every day. So he would do the voice from off camera for Bob Hoskins. And then, um, he usually was wearing a huge Roger rabbit suit, like with a hat that had big bunny ears. And, uh, that was a practical joke by Robert Zemeckis. That like, sounds the like the stuff of nightmares. Yeah, he's <laughs> like Bob. You didn't have to wear that at all. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. It's just how Charles talks. Uh, man, I'll I'll try and find this uh, photo and and uh, oh, send please. it to you guys. I see now. I'm look now. I'm on the Wikipedia page now that we're we're doing the episode. But it looks like he also played <laughs> Benny the Cab. And two members of the Toon Patrol, Greasy and Psycho. Ah, nice. Um, <laughs> what are those? The Weasels? I yeah, guess a couple, yeah, I couple so. Weasels. Yeah. Also, he was on I the mean, car Toon Patrol. Yeah. Kathleen Turner plays Jessica Rabbit. What a voice! I mean, a, a yeah. sultry, wonder, velvety voice. Uh, mm-hmm. The I think the spell that Jessica Rabbit casts was they did a very good job <laughs> communicating that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> And again, that was one of the one th- only things I knew about this movie is people are like, oh, my God, dude, <laughs> Jessica Rabbit, <laughs> first crush, you know? Yeah, uh, it's true. And I, I was I, I was watching this movie as my uh, as my wife was 
she had to go to bed early because she was she had work super early the next day. So <laughs> she just kind of made comments as she was passing by, and she's seen this movie a bunch, but she was just like. The chest to hips ratio is crazy. On it Jessica. is. It's crazy. <laughs> um, man, somebody there was a celebrity who uh, did a Jessica Rabbit costume for Halloween. You know how like celebrities mm. have been getting really into like over the top Halloween costumes. Like she had like prosthetics that made her like chest wow. uh, like bigger, just kind of like it is. Um, let me find out who did this, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, she's ridiculous. And it's funny, too, because... Um, I was thinking of actresses who would play the... Oh, it's Heidi Klum, of course. Heidi, okay. I was like, well, actresses that would play the live-action version of this, or if you if you, if you you flipped all the live-action with the animated characters. Uh, and I was like, who's the... Uh, Chris, Christine Hendricks? No, from Mad Men? Christina Hendricks. Christina Hendricks. Yeah. I was like, she could be Jessica Rabbit. I feel like she's... The red hair and like... Definitely has very, Jessica yeah, Rabbit yeah. energy. Yeah. Uh, any any final thoughts about uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Soundtrack. I mean, holy uh, crow! Yeah. It was awesome. Like the yeah. soundtrack the whole time because I was I was all an original score and it is yep. like there's so much great jazz, just noiry old jazz. It was really cool. Uh, just had mm-hmm. I just had a good time, kind of bopping along to the soundtrack the whole time. Uh, and then we we already mentioned the the sound effects. I mean, uh, obviously it won an Academy Award, but mm-hmm. that it is a playground of sound effects. This whole movie because you have all the real stuff and all the animated stuff. It just was this, it was a feast for the ears the whole time. Uh, the two last things that I are thinking of. Um, one more, uh, I guess, serious and and one uh, not serious at all. The serious one is that I think it is so good for the movie that it doesn't have a sequel. Um, yes. And yeah. I don't, I didn't, I did some research on this movie before our, our conversation, but not a ton. And there was something about prospects for a sequel not being great. Or I think they start, cause they produced some animated shorts in addition to this movie. Um, okay. And like with Roger Rabbit, the baby Herman, right. And Jessica Rabbit. Mm-hmm. And there was something about, uh, I read something about like, yeah, prospects for a sequel kind of dimming or not being as bright, but uh, not having a sequel, I think, makes this movie this one unique sort of sui generis kind of entry. It is it is so singular. And uh, granted, like there are, you know, the movies that bring together computer animation and real characters and stuff. But like Who Framed Roger Rabbit is such a unique and individual stylized movie. And I think it helps so much. There isn't a sequel not to say that the sequel would have been bad, but it's hard to imagine the sequel would have been better than what we have. So, Agreed. yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right. There's, I, I think it would have been very unlikely that the sequel would have been any good. And that's just because the movie itself almost didn't happen a hundred times over. Like, I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, you know, Gary K. Wolf almost couldn't publish his book, Who Censored Roger Rabbit? Like, you know, there were all these people along the journey of this movie getting made, I mean, it, it went through different versions of the script. It, you know, they had entire different animation houses a couple of times working on it. And it's all dependent on, you know, the, the fact that Disney was kind of going through a transition. They were trying to find ways to be, you know, n- newer and, and um, mm. more edgy and stuff like that. And, and enter sort of like an adult, like you know entertainment 
world, not adult entertainment, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. I mean, it just like, and that, and that you've got Steven Spielberg and, and Robert Zemeski was basically Steven Spielberg's like mentee at the time. Sorry, yeah. oh, sorry, Zemeckis. Uh, Robert Zemeckis. Zemeckis. There he is. <laughs> Robert Zemeckis. Uh, you know, Steven Spielberg was kind of mentoring uh, Zemeckis at the time. And I think that all, like, you know, would they have had all those people and all those, like, you know, the, the fact that it went through so many, like, edits and things like that really made the movie better. So, yeah, I agree. I don't think a sequel would have. Yeah. Would have cut it. Good call. My last uh, non-serious uh, thing to add, and maybe this is a weird thing as a final thing. I love the singing sword, voiced by Frank Sinatra. It makes me laugh every time I see it. I so love glad it. we yeah. got to that. Totally stops the action. Best <laughs> yeah. prop. Yeah, best yeah. prop in the whole movie for sure. It like looks like <laughs> him. It's so yeah, amazing. I wanted to see a full fight scene with it. I was, I was like, "There's got to be a reason it's a sword, right? Like, what? what it's got to be able to do something." <laughs> I don't know what. Uh, I, I had a, I had a couple couple last notes here. Um, sure. F- some fun facts for you, real quick. We talked about the horrifying execution scene with the shoe. Yeah. The voice of that shoe, Nancy Cartwright, aka the voice of Bart Simpson. Oh. Huh. <laughs> Wow. Um, uh, fun fact number two, this is more just for me, but as we're talking about film noir, I did not have a TV growing up. I spent my weekends listening to the radio, part of probably why I didn't see this movie as a kid. And one of these, one of the radio programs I listened to every week was Prairie Home Companion, which had a noir play within a play, basically, where they they put on a mm. this, this play called Guy, no- uh, Guy Noir, uh, who's a private detective. The sound effects, the practical sound effects guy who did on stage sound effects for Prairie Home Companion is named Fred Newman, who is cast as stupid, who is one of the weasels. So his <laughs> uh, his vocal acting, his Foley work is all on display in this movie. Wow. I just, that's crazy. It was like, Fred Newman, I know that name. Because I saw Prairie Home Companion live as a kid and saw Fred Newman do his whole thing. It's, yes. it's incredible to watch. So I just like, the, it's like, man, everyone cool at this moment was in this movie. <laughs> everyone went on to great, you know, uh, voice acting prestige after this. Yeah. Very cool. Should we give our, our ratings for the movie? Yes. Can, can I add, can, I'm just going to end with one last segment I'm creating right now, which is called okay, intrusive thoughts, it. where I'm going to write down a couple intrusive <laughs> thoughts I had during the movie. One of which is, okay. I think that it's good this movie's in the 40s because I feel like if it was in the 80s or later, like by that time, the like sex industry in Toontown would be just unhinged. <laughs> like the amount of tune human interactions would get real weird. There'd be a yeah. lot of whole weird clubs. Uh, I just I'm thinking this hasn't happened yet in this world, but it's coming. Yeah, um, it would be less about alcoholism and more about cocaine use. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like. Hey, I mean, have you can you imagine that, like, Toontown cocaine? Oh my god! Are you guys aware? Can you that, imagine him going? Like, Bugs going Bunny to can just reach behind anybody. his back and be like, "Here's a bag of coke," you know. <laughs> or them having to like Roger Rabbit having to snap like get a coked up Eddie Valiant <laughs> to like come back to life. <laughs> Eddie, please <laughs> don't sit in that chair. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think. I think Toontown in the next ten years, if this if there was a sequel, would just be in just in squalor. <laughs> anyway, 
Uh, that's a, that's, that's a good what's one. What's my intrusive thought for this movie? Uh, personally, as as the host of this episode, um, this is a five star movie for me. Uh, meaning for for me personally, it means like this is a movie that everyone has to see. It's it's just so good. It and uh, and uh, yeah, I I think uh, in a lot of ways it's kind of a perfect movie. It is super entertaining. It's got all these talented people in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, and it is highly unique. Yeah. You know, even like we said, even movies like space jam don't, you know, even come close. It's, uh, it's a classic. Edwin, what's your rating scale? I forgot. Or are you going to switch it up every time? Uh, I was going to say, yeah, we're going to switch it up every time. I'll give this movie two thumbs up. The only thing is uh, the three of us, have to, we have to use different rating scales is the only requirement. Of course. I don't remember what I used last time, or uh, but I'm glad. Okay, this is why I, I paused, but I'll give this movie two thumbs up. This movie is great, and uh, I enjoyed it just as much as I did when I was a kid, and I'm glad that it exists. And um, it's just such a unique, singular uh, funny, crazy, strange movie. Uh, and it's a movie now that we've gone through this experience and I'm really glad you watched it with us for this. It's a movie that I like would love to show to more people. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. It feels like a real landmark movie for a lot of reasons. I mean, not only for the technical achievement, but I would imagine this movie probably kicked off like the run of amazing Disney animation that came throughout the nineties. You know what I mean? Uh, like yeah because because this uh, the animation was dying yeah totally right at this time animation was dying you know um there were there was kind of the old guard of animators who were sort of you know just kind of phoning it in oh, and so and... much new technology was emerging in the 80s with computers that were like people were probably getting fixated on that i would assume yeah I mean, I think that there are people like like Richard Williams, the animation director, who who like there's a few people who single handedly like saved animation. I mean, because now it's gone. Right. Right. I mean, you would never be you would never be able to make this movie today because like this, you know, style of of Mm -hmm. of animation just doesn't exist anymore. It's kind of all be done on like Miyazaki. Like I feel like a lot of I think in anime and Japanese culture, there's definitely alive and well. But as far as like the American animation, like old Hollywood. Yeah. I mean, Princess and the Frog came out like I don't know what was the last like pure animation like this. Sure. I mean, I, I guess think, you're right. There's like the boy and the heron just came out, but like I just don't know if I mean having like I mean this is these are like animation factories, right? You know, and I on on site where they're you know down the road they're filming the the scene mm-hmm. you know in the in the soundstage. So I think it's I think that's where it's like I don't know how you, how it could exist today. Are you guys familiar with the film uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers? I read about this. Uh-uh. Uh. It came out in 2022. I it I I have not seen it myself, but it was. I know rescuers I think don't under. A, no, uh, rescue rangers, a, a spiritual successor, I guess, who framed Roger Rabbit. So I'm excited oh, to watch okay. this movie. Okay. Yeah, and it's oh. and it's a kids movie, so maybe that's why it didn't maybe register as much for me or for us or for some of the listeners. But I'm excited to watch it, and who knows if it actually uh, is in that regard. But uh, oh my god, it's funny Tim when Robinson's I think about. Yeah, and like isn't it Andy Samberg and somebody I don't know. Anyway, um there 
there are movies like this that combine different kinds of animation. I feel like the Spider-Verse movies have done a little bit of this, um, mm-hmm. like with the different Spider-Mans and things like that. And um, you know, the new Ninja Turtles, I thought, did a really good job with the animation. But it is true mm-hmm. that like this, to see the old that style with like an 80s aesthetic, like there is something kind of magical about it um, that feels re- like it would be really hard to replicate today. Yeah, true. Uh, I love this movie. Speaking, he's mentioned Tim Robinson. I just thought, man, he should be an A-lister for voice acting, but he already looks like a cartoon. Like he already looks animated in real life. <laughs> he's like, he doesn't need to do voices for good cartoons. Uh, I would, I'll, you know, I'm I'm going to give this a uh 8.8 out of 10 uh, creeping into, I mean, into the nines. That's we're talking desert Island movie territory. This was just about there for me. I I really loved it. I really loved it. Uh, I agree that it feels like something everyone should have to see at some age, just for this sort of yeah. Here's this was this is an important movie for a lot of reasons, and it's just a like great time to watch. It's a, it's a very hard thing to pull off. I can't think of a lot of movies that have been able to kind of straddle both these things at the same time. Um, yeah, I keep coming. I yeah, keep coming I'm- back to Shrek of like a movie that had a massive cultural impact adults like it kids like it uh but you know shrek has gone on to be a ton of sequels you know and licensed you know to hell but uh and memed and memed so much but yeah this movie existed just before all that and it's yeah you're right there were how many sequels would there be if this came out today i don't know too many Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um shout out to betty also still getting still getting it done (laughs) all these years later I, I love too when she says, she, "Doesn't she say what a lucky girl?" About <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because Jessica, yeah, yeah. she's married to Roger Roger Rabbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what a lucky. Yeah, girl. I didn't totally buy I that. Love- but hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man, just like diving into the backstory behind this movie, I, I feel like I feel like there were like there were heroes who stepped up and made this movie. Like it was, it, it, it sounds like they were going to make a crappy movie like, you know, 20 times and, and people like Robert Zemeckis and, and uh, Steven Spielberg and executives at Disney yeah. and, uh, you know, Richard, uh, Richard Williams, like all these people stepped up and said like, this movie is worth putting some real effort into and some money. Um, And um, I think that that is like so cool. And, uh, and I'm grateful to them for, for making this awesome movie. Uh, You know, one of the first movies we did on this show is the Terminator. Well, I say that like it wasn't just last episode, but the uh, last episode, episode. (laughs) but that was the first, we talked a lot about the budget of Terminator, which was six and a half million. So now that's Mm -hmm. at least for me now forever on this show, I'm going to compare every budget to that budget. (laughs) And this was $50 million. You said, yeah, 50. Yeah. Okay. The more I hear about, and this came, this was four years after Terminator. The more Mm -hmm. I hear about Terminator, I'm like, the more it's becoming an art house sci-fi movie that i can't <laughs> yeah about. six and a half this had yeah. 50 million oh my yeah. gosh yeah that's crazy i mean i wonder how much of that went to you know the animation and you know because those guys yeah. just uh I, I think I'm animation sure. can be a money suck because it takes so much time and people yeah yeah um yeah i i'm re- if i i'm just just walking into this now but it says uh terry gilliam was 
first offered the director's role for this movie. That uh, makes sense. Formerly of Monty yeah. Python, you know, Brazil. Right. He's made a ton of mm-hmm. oh, great. That would have, I mean, I want to see that cut. Oh my God. This would have been a very different movie. Um, Man, one of these days we should watch, uh, I think it's called Man of La Mancha. Oh, I've seen I, that. I can't remember. The documentary yeah. about that is it's crazy, incredible. man. Well, yeah, you know, that's Terry Gilliam trying to make them. It's just a behind the scenes documentary of them just trying to make this movie and disaster <laughs> after disaster occurs. It's so good. Uh, disaster movie documentaries are just <laughs> the one about Fitzcarraldo. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, the uh, what I want to say, though, is th- it, that just reminds me, though, of maybe he would have maybe Terry Gilliam or like I, it makes sense. They would ask him because the other. I would say avenue of groundbreaking animation came from Monty Python in the seventies. I mean, their animation mm. style, the way they blended that into their movies and their show, mm. no, nothing else looks like it, even to this day, the Monty Python animation. So I wonder how much of that he would have incorporated into this movie. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like you got to have the, 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 the Warner brothers, Looney tunes vibe, you know, that's what I think you would have played really by the rules, was the right thing, but just like the style, like I wonder what direction mm-hmm. it, it would have gone in under him, but that's just an interesting. What if he says yeah. he uh, completely regrets the decision to pass on this movie. <laughs> hmm. Um, well, there you have it. Who framed Roger rabbit? Um, check it out. It's on Disney plus, uh, Guys, before we finish up, do we want to announce uh, the next movie that we'll be doing? Let's pick an, Let's pick the next one. I don't think we've actually... Have we talked about it? We had talked about yeah. oh, a movie that great. Edwin hasn't seen, which mm-hmm. is The Big Lebowski. Oh, my gosh. Correct. That's a big one, guys. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's funny. I'm very excited to see this movie. Uh, it's a movie I've heard a lot about. It's a movie that I've faked my way through a lot of conversations about. <laughs> Um, and it's funny one of the sort of central questions of of one of the central themes are uh around this podcast is is the reaction to you haven't seen that yeah right yes and what i'm learning very very rapidly is that there are so many more movies that i haven't seen compared to sean and alex so (laughs) even even in like these podcasts they're like have you guys seen this have you guys seen this and even with the concept of this podcast i'm like almost embarrassed to say no, or I haven't seen it, but uh, I guess it's, it's a continuing, a part of my continuing film education. So I'm very excited. To see oh my god! I am a Coen Brothers fan, of course. So yeah. I, just you say in the big Lebowski, like I've seen that movie. I don't know, 15 or more times. And I'm still like, Oh, I can't wait to fire it up. This is going to be great. <laughs> uh, what do you know about it? Uh, this movie, uh, big Lebowski. Uh, I know the dude abides. I know the bowling scene. Uh, I know that the rug really tied the room together. I know he drinks white Russians. Okay, um, you know a lot. The the there's like a is he Hispanic? Uh, the bowler? I don't. Uh, Jesus. Yeah. Who am I thinking of? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know of that guy. That's about as much as I know. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty good. That's uh well cool. Well, I'm excited to watch that. Uh, and uh, we'll be putting that out in a couple of weeks um if you haven't listened to our our past episodes go check out the now playing we did about Saltburn. uh we're going to start doing uh now playing minisodes for current things if you have any ideas for something that we can do for that email us at captive audience pod at gmail.com um 
would love to get some suggestions for uh, for now playing episodes and maybe even main feed episodes. So I was going to say for the main feed, we we the three of us have sat and brainstormed movies that we haven't seen together um, or that one of the three of us has not seen. But um, one of the other sort of ideas is not just big movies that we missed or that we've never seen, but sort of. Uh, hidden gems or movies that we love that maybe aren't as well recognized or um, seen by a lot of people that we can bring these movies in and watch them together. So uh, if you've got movies like that, like a personal favorite that you feel like doesn't get enough love or not enough people have seen, send that send that our way as well. And we'll check it out. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.